Welcome to Market Update from the Property Podcast. I am Rob D with Rob B. This week we are a little bit less timely than usual. So this is coming out on Friday the 8th of May, which is a bank holiday apparently. Not that you can really tell the difference between bank holidays, weekends and normal days at the moment. So we are recording this on Thursday the 7th. So if there is any big news over the course of the next 24 hours and we don't refer to it, that will be why. But we do have plenty of things to talk about today. Before we get into those, Rob, as is traditional, I need to ask you, how are you feeling this week? I don't feel like I've had time to feel this week. It's a four-day week. As a business, we're still operating. There's lots going on. So it's kept me really busy. But I'm not complaining, being distracted and therefore having no feelings up or down. I'll take. I know it sounds a bit odd, but I'm okay with that. I'm happy with a week like that being full on. So, Rob, I, I feel neutral. It, it might sound surprising to people to, to hear that because I think there is kind of a, a, an assumption that everyone's got a bit more time on their hands at the moment. But I know from everything that's going on in the business and from the conversations we've had this week, I know that that's very much not been the case for you or for anyone in the business, really. It seems like it's busier than ever. Yeah, which I think is a really good thing. And a lot of businesses that did stop for a little while or reduce activity for a little while are pushing ahead now. So that's really cool to see. Of course, the retail sector, well, some of the retail sector, some of it's actually pushing on really strongly. Some parts of the retail sector haven't reopened. And, you know, the hospitality sector clearly is still at a complete standstill. But there are lots of areas in the economy that are pushing ahead and acting like things will be sorted soon. And, And you never know, Rob, on Sunday, we might see from Boris that some of these things are being sorted. And we do have some way of easing off and removing restrictions and then these market updates may stop at some point in the not too distant future if things do get better but i think that's a good thing the market updates stop that means we're back to normal or close to it at least yeah definitely we we started doing these because we had to because every day there's a whole podcast worth of things to talk about and it was all very fast moving it was all really important people needed to know what to make of it and what actions if any to take and that's really eased off over the last couple of weeks it's been noticeable how much we've been able to talk about bigger picture things rather than this happened and this happened and this happened that's a natural consequence of things settling down a little bit so hopefully this will become something that we may maybe only do a bit more occasionally before too long it seems like on sunday we're we're nailed on pretty much to get something some kind of relaxing of the current rules i wouldn't want to make any bets on what that's going to be but everyone now seems very much in that mindset of right let's get back to it what are we going to be able to do and in the meantime let's do what we can but even with things as they are with all the constraints that we have on the way the business can operate we've had some big successes this week rob so yes we've had some success on grand junction now if that name rings a bell there's a reason for it it's a development that we built 14 houses in crew We've podcasted about that development in the past. We've talked about it in the past. It's been quite a painful experience financially for us. Learned a lot, though, which is great. Now, those properties are legally completing. The build has been complete for a little while now, but the properties are completing, which is great news. What's even better, though, is even during these really difficult market conditions, we've put them on the the market with videos, you know, being forward-thinking, and they are super popular for the rental market. Like red hot, in fact, I would describe it as. Because if the phone's going off the hook in this market, imagine what it'd be like in a normal market. So we put the advert live on the Friday, and by the Monday, we had applications in. I mean, it's bonkers. Bonkers in a great way, but just didn't expect it in this market, Rob. 
yeah, and the point of saying this isn't to go, look how great we are. It's a sign of general positivity in that some things are still happening. There is this perception that everything has come to an absolute dead stop. And of course, levels are way down on where they were. But it is still possible and there's still some activity going on, which is great. And on a personal level, anyone who's listened to the podcast we did on this subject knows that this development has had its challenges. So it is nice that it's ending in a really positive way with really insane rental demand. Something else that's been talked about a lot this week is the new bounce back loans. So this is a new scheme that the government announced a couple of weeks ago, I think it was, which is a way of getting cash to small businesses in a way that's meant to be quick and fairly uncomplicated. So there are other schemes already. So there's a a scheme for larger loans, which takes a fair bit of time to put all the paperwork in for and get agreed. Uh, There's the furlough scheme. There's lots going on, but none of it moves particularly quickly. So the idea for this scheme was it's something it's small, it's up to a maximum of £50,000 or 25% of your turnover, whichever is the lower, and you're able to get the cash in a few days. And the government's able to make that happen because they're guaranteeing 100% of the loan and it's quite a nice deal because there's no interest to pay in the first 12 months. So I hadn't really paid much attention to this, but then a couple of things happened this week that made me pay more attention. First of all, I had friends who own businesses talking about this and saying how easy it was. And that's not something you often hear when it comes to applying for for loans or government schemes. But they said it literally takes a couple of minutes and it gets agreed automatically. And then the cash arrives a few days later, which I thought was really interesting. There's also been a lot of debate this week about whether landlords are eligible for this. So this isn't just for limited companies. So if you're a sole trader or a partnership, then you can qualify for a bounce back loan. The question is whether an investment company rather than a trading company is eligible or not. The criteria not particularly clear. You could read it in different ways. Um, I've been reading about it a little bit this week. Some people say, yes, this absolutely applies to landlords. You qualify, so go for it. No reason not to. Other people have interpreted it in a completely different way and say, no, you can apply. You may even get accepted. You probably will get accepted because it's a self-certification thing. No one's actually going to look for any proof, but you shouldn't be certifying this because actually you're not eligible and therefore you might get into trouble in future if you do. So there's no firm conclusion on that yet for landlords. It might be one worth keeping an eye on if this is something that would be useful to you. So you can see in future if any clarity emerges around whether it's something you can do. Landlords in Scotland, by the way, actually have a dedicated scheme which is for landlords. And so that's definitely one you can apply for if you rent property in Scotland. But for everyone else, a bit of an unknown. If you do operate a small business, though, and I know many property investors are self-employed or contractors, and that's how they raise their funds to invest in property, that is something that you might be able to look into doing. I can see why landlords would want to take advantage of this scheme, Rob. Not necessarily because they're in financial trouble, but a few crafty landlords may think, wow, this is a deposit for another property. I know that's probably not the intention for the scheme, but I know that's probably how a lot of people will think. So it's going to be interesting to see how the government guides us on this to say what is and isn't allowed. And also really interesting for the people who've just gone ahead and got the loans to to see how they'll be treated. Like if you go and invest it in another property and the money's gone, then how are they going to action that money being returned? Again, no idea, and we'll, we'll see in due course, but one to watch, and we'll keep you updated on that. So a reasonable amount happening in the world of property this week, but the stock market 
is a more dramatic place generally, and certainly has been the case over the last few months. Now, Rob, you mentioned a few weeks back that you were really surprised how the stock market has performed because, yes, they've crashed. And when I say they, we're looking at the US and UK markets here. They crashed and really crashed hard. But then there was a recovery on both sides of the Atlantic and the UK stocks recovered a reasonable amount. But in the US, it was really strong recovery. And when you were commenting on this a few weeks ago, you were baffled. But speaking earlier, I know you've done a bit of digging and, and have started to put together... You know, a pretty solid theory to why that's happened. Yeah, when you look at the magnitude of the falls and the rises in the US and the UK, they're not miles apart. So they both fell by roughly the same amount, about 30%. The uh, FTSE 100 is now back up 16%. And in the US, they're up 22%. So the US market has come back stronger, not dramatically so. But what really surprised me was that if you look at where both markets were before any of this happened, the US was far more fully valued or overvalued, depending on how you want to look at it. By any metric you want to look at, the FTSE 100 was far cheaper than the S&P 500 in the US. So you would have thought that if the US market was starting from a higher base, it would fall further and it would take longer to come back up. And in fact, that's been the opposite. If you look at where both those markets are now, the US market is now back to where it was last October. So it had a really good run towards the end of last year. Then it had the crash along with everything else this year, and then it's come back again. But if you kind of take all that out and net it back to where it was before, it's back to October last year. The FTSE 100 is back to where it was in June 2016. So in the US, it's wiped out less than a year of growth. In the UK, it's wiped out four years of growth. And back after the, in the immediate aftermath, it had wiped out a decade of FTSE 100 growth. So there was quite a difference there. And for a long time, I couldn't work out why that was the case. And I still don't know. But I think I've got closer this week because I was digging into what those indexes are actually made up of. And in the US, if you look at the constituents of the S&P 500 by market cap, so by the size of the companies involved, 20% of that is made up of tech companies, the likes of Google and Facebook and Microsoft, and a further 15% is healthcare companies. And you would expect all of those types of companies would do well, or at least not be particularly affected by everything that's going on. In the UK, if you look at the FTSE 100, 15% of that is oil and a further 20% is banks. And both of those groups, of course, you would expect to be very severely affected by what's going on. So a third of the market here in the UK are companies who you'd expect to be hard hit. A third of those in the US are companies who you wouldn't be. So that, I think, goes a long way to explaining what apparently was a disconnect. And I think the broader point from this, Rob, rather than just trying to unravel a mystery, is that you've got to be careful about equating the stock market with the economy because as we've just seen it can lead you astray but in any case they are very different things they are really different if you actually look at the FTSE 100 it's not really based that heavily on the UK at all which you know sounds strange being that it's the London Stock Exchange but because it's such a well recognized and regarded stock exchange that international companies list there and they may have some activity in the UK, but not necessarily their main activity. 
So people look at the FTSE and go, oh, it's down. So the UK economy must be doing awful. But no, actually, the FTSE 100 is more indicative of the global economy, which in most cases is pretty poor right now. So Rob, I think the point that you make about associating the stock market to the economy, which so many people do, is really important. And that's often because the media will quickly report on the stock exchange, not to mislead you or trick you, but it's just more dramatic, isn't it? If you talk about big falls or big rises or billions being wiped off values, that's a lot catchier and newsworthy than property moves up by 0.5% last month. That's not going to get a headline. No, it's it's a number that you can look at. Um, you, you can't really do it in any other way. It's very hard to actually really get a sense of how the economy as a whole is performing. But you can look at a number and see how that number is performing, even if that number isn't particularly representative of anything that you might consider useful if you're just trying to take a pulse of how things are going. I do think looking at the rises and the falls has been really interesting though and and also lots of companies have been announcing dividend cuts over the last couple of weeks and indeed just deciding not to pay dividends at all. Um, In some cases that's because they've been really slammed but in others they're just being prudent because they don't know what the effect is going to be yet so it makes sense for them to hold on to that cash for the time being rather than pay it out. So investors in the stock market have been hit in two different ways. Their capital value has gone down but if you're investing for the income that it throws off then that income has gone down a long way as well. So this isn't an argument for property is always better than shares and you should only ever invest in property because I don't think either of us feel that way but this is the property podcast and so it's worth I think taking a note of positivity that whatever happens with the property market over the rest of the year we don't know quite what it's going to look like I think it's inconceivable that it's going to fall to anywhere near the extent that the stock market has done putting aside voids and rent arrears and as we talked about last week that's not looking as bad as certain surveys would lead you to believe either we've still got our income so i think we'll leave it on that positive note if you've been enjoying us in the sun over the bank holiday and after you're done finish topping up your time we'll be back with ask rob and rob on tuesday of course back with the main event the property podcast on thursday and then another market update on friday and maybe boris is going to give us a lot to talk about let's hope it's positive take care everyone bye-bye bye-bye